Right, so we're going to read Mark chapter 1, verses 9 to 20. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the desert, and he was in the desert for forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Okay. Now, the reason I wanted uh, David to read that passage is that um, it speaks about the, the temptations of, of Jesus in the wilderness and also about us following Jesus as, a, as the one who guides us. And both of those themes feed into uh, the passage that I want to look at this morning. And we're actually drawing to the end of our uh, time in the Lord's Prayer and looking at what the Lord's Prayer says. And uh, today we're going to think about the part of the Lord's Prayer, which is lead us not into temptation. Now, life is often likened to a journey. Uh, and the thing about journeys is you need to have some idea of the direction that you're going in. Uh, if you don't, you could end up, I don't know, in the middle of nowhere or going backwards or round in circles, or perhaps you could even stray into danger. And as we live our lives, we don't actually know what's coming around the next corner, do we? Uh, or along any particular path that we take in life. And sometimes our decisions to go either this way or that can have quite significant results. Uh, now, often those decisions we make along life's way don't matter too much, you know, because either way, you know, God's there to, you know, we can discover something good uh, along whichever path we take. But occasionally, the choices before us are much more serious. And a wrong turn at those points in life could actually take us in a very bad direction. So if life is indeed like a journey, then we do need some sort of guide to help us navigate well through life. And this part of the Lord's Prayer is, is all about God doing just that, God leading us. It's a picture of God being a bit like a shepherd leading their sheep. Uh, so this prayer imagines life as us following a shepherd, God, who wants to lead us away from what harms us, and into what is good and wholesome and helpful for us. And any good shepherd, of course, would want to do that, to lead the sheep to good pastures. Now, the prayer is also about those challenges that we sometimes face along life's way that can have a very real effect on where we're going. Uh, it uses a Greek word, perasmos, 
Uh, now that's a word that can be translated in various ways, uh, such as temptation or testing or trial. Uh, it basically, this word refers to times of difficulty in life, experiences that meet us and put us under a certain pressure, and those pressures inevitably will do something to us. Now, sometimes those trials are just a normal part of life and a normal part, actually, of us growing as human beings. So sometimes the word Jesus uses here has a fairly neutral meaning or even perhaps positive association, because, for example, you know, it's often through facing life's challenges that we grow as people. It's a bit like a muscle that gets strengthened as it's exercised. Uh, but then there are other kinds of trial or temptation which are much more sinister and harmful uh, and that could end up pushing us in a very bad direction rather than a good one. <clears throat> now, when Jesus uses this word, perasmos in, in Greek, uh, he, here in the Lord's Prayer, he teaches us to pray, lead us not into temptation or testing or trial. And in the longer version in Matthew's gospel, he adds the words, but deliver us from evil. Now, I think that suggests that Jesus is thinking here about the bad kind of trials, you know, the pressures, the choices, the situations that really could do us harm. And, and as Jesus puts it, can even be described as an evil. And the prayer here is that God will keep us from those kinds of things in life. And that if we did find ourselves in them, for whatever reason, that God will then deliver us out of them, those things that can do us great harm. So the phrase lead us in this prayer is not saying God causes or is responsible for temptations or evil. Uh, in fact, James talks about this in James chapter one and actually tells us we should never think of God as tempting us because God does not, he says, ever tempt anyone to do evil. So the, the phrase lead us in this prayer, lead us not into temptation, is a picture of God as the shepherd, our guide, leading us, uh, leading us through our life so that we'll stay on the right course. And prayer, it's interesting because prayer is seen as part of that. It's kind of, you know, it's not, prayer isn't just like, oh, we need something, let's ask God. It's part of that following. It's part of an ongoing journey with God, an ongoing conversation along life's way. Uh, prayer is, is one aspect of following this shepherd. We, we talk to God, our shepherd, as he leads us. Now, I wonder then if this bit of the Lord's Prayer is actually part of our ongoing sort of conversation with God. I don't mind how you pray, there are different ways to pray, but the idea is that we're constantly sort of thinking about God and talking to God. And I wonder if evil is something we ask God to keep us from or perhaps deliver us out of. Jesus says it should be, uh, which means we do need to acknowledge our vulnerability as human beings. You know, we are not bulletproof. We don't always see the dangers ahead and we don't always get things right. But we don't need to be afraid to acknowledge our vulnerability, our limitations, our mistakes, because God is with us, this prayer says. We're, we're not alone as we walk life's journey. We have someone who really does care about us and who, who actually sees the whole picture, the things that we don't see. And, and this, this person, God, 
wants to guide you, wants to help you, if necessary, rescue you out of danger. So the prayer assumes those two things. It assumes there are dangers along life's way. You know, we know there are. We can take wrong turns in life. The prophet Isaiah said, we all like sheep can sometimes go astray. Or troubles do unexpectedly meet us sometimes. It's a bit, think of it like a sudden storm that hits us and it completely clouds our view of God, our shepherd, so that we end up off course. And there are evils in the world. Jesus used a picture of it being like wolves, you know, again, the shepherd, the sheep, but then he says there are wolves. There are evils in the world that might want to come and harm us. <laughs> now, if that was all there was to say about life, we'd probably all be terrified and just want to stay indoors all day. But the other thing this prayer assumes is very reassuring because it tells us that we're not alone in that journey of our life. God is here as our shepherd. He wants to lead us through away from dangers or to deliver us out in one piece if we fall into them. And always God is there wanting to show us the way through, no matter where we find ourselves. The path may not always be easy, but God can keep us going in the right direction as we follow him and listen to him. Uh, Psalm 23 uses a very, very similar picture when it says, the Lord is my shepherd. And then it says, and he leads me in paths of righteousness. And even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it says, you know, even if I end up in those paths, I will fear no evil because God is with me. And like all of the Lord's prayer, this, this bit, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Like all of the Lord's prayer, it's an us prayer as much as a me prayer. You know, it's about God guiding us collectively, even as a human race, I believe as much as it's about us as individuals. In fact, I think when you look over history, some of the most dangerous evils that we've seen through history have been evils that whole groups or even whole societies at times have kind of got swept up into. Sometimes almost without, it seems, without even realizing what was happening at the time. And it's only when we've looked back in history and we've said, how did that ever happen? in the world, but it did happen <clears throat> because there are evils, there are dangers. And, and in fact, studies have shown that there is a particular danger when group dynamics are overtaken by an evil, by a malicious intent. So when we're praying, lead us not into temptation, but deliver, deliver us from evil. Yes, we're praying it individually, of course, but we also pray it for us as a human race, that God will be leading humanity away from evils into his truth and goodness. Um, the Garden of Eden story is at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis 3, and it speaks on in many, many different ways. It's an incredible passage. It speaks in different ways about God and humanity and, and life, really. And over the centuries, people have found much, much insight in its words. And I think Genesis 3 certainly speaks into this prayer Jesus gave us because Genesis 3 is about a man and a woman, human beings, who had to decide which verse, version of things to believe, whose voice they were going to follow and to let that voice direct them. There's always a kind of choice before us about who we want to lead us in life. You know, do we listen to God and follow him? 
The God who in Genesis 3 we see is a God who plants a garden for us. A place full of growth, a world full of life and nourishment, potential. A God who warns us of the dangers, as well as giving us and showing us the blessings. Do we listen to his voice? I think Genesis 3 is wanting us to think about that. Or, like in the Garden of Eden, have we got our ear on another voice, the voice of evil, represented by that serpent in Eden, telling us, no, don't listen to God. You don't need God. You shouldn't trust God. You know, go a different way. Take whatever you want from the world. It'll be great. But as the story in Genesis says, it was not great. In Genesis 3, they lost the garden. And thorns and scars and wounds appeared, and they still do in the world. The world becomes a wilderness instead of a garden, depending on whose voice we hear. Jesus himself later on uh, placed himself within that wilderness, our wilderness. And Jesus put himself there, the Son of God, in order to face the devil's temptations himself as one of us. He was God made human, and he placed himself where we are. Now, his responses to those pressures, those temptations to do wrong, his responses were instead to listen to God, he said, to serve God and to worship God. Those were three things he said in his responses in the wilderness. Now, that was at the beginning of his ministry. His ministry started out in the wilderness where we found ourselves often through our wrong choices. But that led Jesus on through his life on a journey that ended up back in a garden once more, in, the, in a garden called Gethsemane, first of all, where Jesus once again made a decision about whose voice, whose will to follow and who to hear. He heard and did the will of God, remember. And, and for him, that was to love us and to actually give his life for us on the cross. And that death, when he died for all our sin, all our wrong was placed upon him and he took it all for us. But the other side of that led to a resurrection, new life and another garden, actually, we read in John's gospel. Having risen from the dead, Jesus met, met Mary in a garden outside the tomb. So here was another garden and here was a woman carrying all that pain and, and scars and condemnation of the world and she almost Mary there represents all the generations since Eden you know all the tears we've all known and there she was another woman in a garden but Jesus met her there he came speaking to her like God spoke we're told to Adam to Eve in the garden of Eden Jesus speaks to Mary and he speaks her name and her sadness was turned into joy she said, I've, I've seen the Lord, I've seen him, he's alive. It's, it's almost like she's come back to Eden. She's seeing God again and walking with him in that garden. And I think that's meant to teach us about our lives. And, you know, when we're in the wilderness, but God is a God who wants to bring us back to the garden, to himself. I, I think part of the beauty of the Bible's story and truth is it's it's inextinguishable hope that it has that God will not give up on us sometimes you might think he would do but he does not God will have that garden planted for us that he originally wanted 
He will call us to come back to himself, to that garden, to that better world, that better life. And he will walk with us through that. He'll bring us there and lead us to himself, to, to where we're meant to be, to home, if you like. And indeed, we must listen to Jesus for that very reason. We must listen to what Jesus did when he was here and what he said when he was here. Because actually, above all, I think that is, Jesus is how God guides us through life. He guides us by showing us Jesus Christ, his son. Um, the psalm famously says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Jesus, we're told, is that word become flesh. So when we think about listening and following and talking to God through life, you don't need to wait for thunderbolts every morning. You know, or flashing neon signs every hour from God. You don't need always, sometimes God speaks really directly, don't get me wrong, but you don't always, you know, every day need a booming voice from heaven to tell you, do this, make that decision. We'd love it if it was, it would be much easier, but actually we wouldn't grow. We wouldn't learn. God knows that. We've got to learn. We've got to grow. So actually, from day to day, we have Jesus. He is the voice of God. He is the signpost. He's the, the way, the truth, and the life, we're told. And we come to the Father through him, Jesus said. So we have the gospel. We have the news that tells us about who Jesus is, what he said, what he's done for us. And by constantly listening to that and learning from that good news about Jesus Christ, he will indeed be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path wherever we go. And actually, for me, that's, you know, as I said, I've tried to say over these weeks, prayer is different for each of us, and there are different ways to pray. For me, prayer is, is, is like that ongoing walk with God. There are, prayer is many things. It does many things. It helps us with many things. But one way of seeing prayer is, is just like a walk with God, an ongoing walk with God, like, a, like the stroll with him that they experienced in Eden. Just keep listening, keep looking at who Jesus is, keep talking to him, asking him when you need to ask him things, so that God is less, than a, less of a panic button that we press just in emergencies, <laughs> and God becomes more of a companion who's just there with us throughout it all, and we realize actually we're, we're following him. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen.